continue in our, our study of the gospel of certainty, the doctor's gospel. Chapter 17, I've entitled the message 490. Uh, if, you're, uh, uh, if you're like me, and, and there are a number of guys that really loved it, uh, the movie title 300. Uh, I mean, the testosterone flowed through that like a mighty river. And uh, I mean... <laughs> There are a few of those movies that are really, really uh, developed for uh, for men to go like, whoa, yeah, those Spartans take, took on the Persians there, and they gave it their all, and that was uh, a guy's movie. Uh, with no apology to that, I've entitled this 490. It has no other reference other than it's a numerical title, <laughs> but I did think of that when I thought, like, what can I title that this to make this uh, rather unique? Four nine. Anybody know what I'm getting at at this point? If you do, you can stamp your card and you can leave now. Anybody? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I'm teasing. All right, there you go. You're going to miss dinner. You can't do that, see? All right. Uh, hey, during the spring of uh, 1972, it's a red-letter time in my life, uh, God, met, God met with a congregation of people uh, on an evening during a midweek service at the First Baptist Church in North Tonawanda. It happened to be the church I was saved at when I was seven years old and later baptized. I was a uh, senior in high school and weighing heavily um, what it was that God wanted for me to do and the direction I was headed insofar as college and university and, and so on and so forth. And uh, as a part of that mix, it's one of the big three things that happened spiritually in my life that senior year. Um, it happened during the special meetings when an evangelist from Life Action Singers, any of you heard of Life Action? Del Faisenfeld, did you know Del Faisenfeld? Del, that was a tremendous uh, evangelist. And uh, uh, I, I was, we really thought when he got cancer that God would deliver him, but he died at a very early age. Remind me, of my father always said, only the young die, only the good die young or something like that, yeah. Uh, it wasn't, he'd be the first to say it was not good, but good in Jesus only. And, uh, but uh, he preached that night, and I'll never forget it, as the Holy Spirit really fell with deep conviction upon that congregation, uh, and it was, uh, it was a call to make matters right with one another within that church family. Uh, it was a tremendous uh, service as uh, our, uh, our evangelist uh, opened uh, t the text, and that's our text this morning, Luke 17, verses 1 to 10, and uh, warned us in the strongest words, the words of Jesus here, that we better uh, practice this 490 business and be dead serious about it, or else, or else. He believed in prayer. There's a lot of prayer that was going on, and as far as I knew as a high school kid, really on the periphery of the church, I didn't know anything that's going on. It just, uh, in life itself, uh, we have to be those that practice forgiveness and release one another, right, all day long. I'm, I, I know that the life of a Christian is the life of, of asking forgiveness all the time, all the time. I, I, sometimes I use the metaphor, take the garbage out, lift the lid and look, oh, Lord, here it is again, and do it daily and as we fail one another and we fail the Lord and as people fail us, that we release people and then forgive them. And his message was very strong and very direct. I won't forget it. All were called to forgive, all wrongs done, and God bless that church. I'm here to say God bless that church.
for many years after that, there was a sweetness that settled in on that congregation as, uh, as uh, Dell preached. And then the next two hours, and it really went on for two hours, uh, people, they, they just let people meander around the auditorium. And, uh, and folks, uh, they were called just before that, make a list. And I'm going to recommend that you and I do that wherein we have failed people or we have been offended by people. Make a list. Write down their name. And, the, and, 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 and then the charge was, because of the words of Jesus, go and, and reconcile with your brother or sister. And God met with us that night, and I saw people begin to get up slowly at first, and then, and then the whole auditorium, everybody everywhere. And uh, there was hugging and tears and release, and they went from one to the other, 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 to the other. And uh, I, that was something for, for me to see that as I made a list up. I made a list up wherein I had failed people, and I, I determined before the Lord I was going to make it right. And that involved teachers, involved uh, other people, involved uh, ones I had dated, it involved my brother, it involved, and it a list up, and there were eight or nine or ten. And I resolved, Lord, I'm going to do what the scriptures say. And I did the hard thing and went to each one of them. And, and just straightforward, you know, we don't hedge it. You know, like, oh, yeah, the weather was bad that day, or I had a headache. And, you know, like, no, I wronged you. And this is what I did. I need to ask you to forgive the Lord. And I said, the Lord, and a number of them were unsaved, had no idea. Just the Lord's worked in my heart. What I did was wrong. And I want to ask your forgiveness, not I'm sorry, okay? I'd be sorry, but I'm not asking release. Will you forgive me? And each one of them did. And I was so grateful for that. And I remember as it was getting near the end of that list, and I resolved to do that within a week, my heart began to be so unburdened and felt so clean. And, and, I, and then, like Dell had said, when God cleans your heart out and your relationships are right because you've humbled yourself and gone in and said, I've done wrong, that you're going to fight like mad to do the right thing next time you're tempted to do wrong. Because you don't want to go through that agony again. <laughs> it was agonizomai, I'm telling you. Just one of those, so I went to my boss I think I might have said this before in confession time. Many nursery, Fred uh, Menno ran it, and uh, it was his. And then I worked there several years. No one will hire a 14-year-old guy, you know, but uh, the wrestling team and guys right there. I will thank Fred when I was 15. He told me one day, take the truck and go downtown. Uh, I'd been around there so long he didn't know my age. I'd never driven again. I was glad to take the truck and drive through the city of Center of Buffalo <laughs> with, a, with a load on the back. There was no one else around. I don't know what it was, one of these dumpers. I was trying, and I try not to grind too many, you know, and get off the grounds. But then my father saw me. He couldn't believe me. He said, what, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> anyway, uh, and, and, and uh, it was one of those things. I did sales for a while. And on that door, you're selling stuff in April, May, and June. I, and I was making, you're making change. And I walked home with 20 bucks in my pocket. 20 bucks is big money then. And I'm like, oh, I got to get that. I never did. I ended up spending it. I, I, I was a, a, a thief. So I go like, whoop, Fred's name's on that. It's amazing how that, you know, it's right there, right? Fred, Fred. Okay. So I went to his house. 
and interrupt right during dinner. He comes to the door, hey, Terry, what's up there? And he's chewing his dinner. <laughs> like, uh, for, you know, it's so hard. You got like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Fred, uh, oh, no, Mr. Mel, I, 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 I just want you to know, and I gave him a story, uh, you know, God's worked in my heart, and I wronged you. I, you know, I was making a change, stuck in my pocket, meant to bring it. I spent it. I'm a thief. And I need to ask you to forgive me, and here's the money. You know, please forgive me. And he's chewing away, and he goes like, what, what's that there? You know, you can imagine. I, he's <laughs> and I, so then I had to say it all over again. My little line, you know, I need a teleprompter or something. You know, say it again. <laughs> and he goes like, well, then he invites me inside, and he asks me if I know his daughter. I go like, well, no, that's not really why I'm here, Fred. <laughs> you know, like, but um, it was a result of God's preaching and my willingness to say, Lord, you know, we're, I've, we've all failed. We've all sinned. I want to reconcile. I want to seek forgiveness. And I want to fight like mad to make sure my heart's right. And, and when I fail to, as soon as possible, you know, uh, ask forgiveness, seek forgiveness. Or if I'm offended, Go to them, we're going to see that, that's in the text here, and say to them, you know, I don't know if you realize it or not, but that was offensive. You know, what you said or what you did, uh, that hurt me or hurt, you know, Billy or hurt Jill, or do you realize that? And this kind of thing, and that's, that's what our Lord is teaching. And so 490, I saw the blessing of it, I saw the sweetness of it, I've dealt with enough marriage and marriage counseling to know if we would simply practice this one thing, there would be a sweetness in our marriages that or in our families with our children or in our work environments you know we walk around with these these lists of things that people hurt us and these offenses and we we don't let them go and it lays us down and we want to why don't we have the joy of jesus in our life because we're not doing like jesus said father uh, you know uh, forgive us of our trespasses even as we forgive those who trespass against us. We don't do it somehow. Now, one of the things in your introduction, one of the greatest things about being a Christian is that all our sins are forgiven. Don't you love that? I love that so much. I mean, have you ever tried to figure out how many sins you've sinned? Haven't anybody into advanced math? You know, like to the, what power do you think it might be? Some of you are like, what's he talking about? I didn't get that high. I don't know really what it means, but it sounds like I know about mathematics. But it's a big number, right? And all our sins, and don't you love the old uh, generation? Gone, 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 gone. All my sins are gone. That's true in Christ. I love it. I love it. I absolutely, it's one of the greatest things about being a Christian. One psychologist once said, and I remember reading, if his patients could really know forgiveness, half of them, I think it was a little bit more than that, but half of them could be discharged as guilt chains them in utter darkness. The guilt of, uh, of bearing um, an unforgivable sin. If they could know the forgiveness, the release that God provides or release from one another. Wow. Well, Jesus has much to tell us about sin, forgiveness, and repentance. And here's the essence for today. Forgiven people forgive always. 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 Now, let me ask you, you can help me out here just quickly. What are some reasons why uh, we don't do this? What, what do you think? What are a couple reasons why we, we, we don't practice this? 
like we should. Pride, what do you mean, Mike? Yeah, how many think that that's, uh, that's a big one? That's one of the big prides. Isn't it something like Like as if we got something to be prideful about, right? Yeah. <laughs> Fear, okay. How many think that's one? Fear, like, oh, what will they... What will they think? What will they? Yeah, okay, pride, fear. What else? Yeah, Martha. That's right. Don't we have an incredible ability to rationalize? Oh, don't we do that? And we go like, and I've heard different uh, rationalizations, and I've made some up myself. And, and, and like, and we say it, and like. And I've heard people say it, and it's like my kids saying it. Well, why did you do it? And they give me the story and go like, does that make sense to you? You know, like, <laughs> what alternate universe are you living in? You know, kind of a thing. Yeah, that's right. Our ability to rationalize. Well, you know. Uh, what else? What? I'm sorry, but. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Rob. What, what do you mean by that? The, uh, the inability to comprehend what forgiveness really is. Yes. Yeah, and that's, uh, and Rob put his finger on it, that's, that's the key to being able to do that. It's, it's the grace of God in you that, uh, that by going back to the cross, Back to the cross. That's what you, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It was the, it was the greatest evil ever perpetrated in, in the universe, uh, in the history of mankind. They killed the Lord of glory. Father, forgive them. It, we have to keep going back to that. What's another reason we, we may not forgive, or be reticent to forgive? Yes, who? Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. That's right. We keep. That's right. Tit for tat. None of you do that. I know that. But uh, you know, <laughs> Raj, do you do that? Oh. <laughs> I saw your hand go. <laughs> Yeah, that, I think that, that, that's exactly right. I think that's right. I've done it scripturally, you know, toughy too bad for you, you know. Kind of, <laughs> I won't say that like that, but yeah. Let the chips fall, and if that's where you are, too bad. Yeah, other? How about, how about uh, revenge, you know? Like, I don't want to, I need to hold on to it. You hurt me so bad. I just, I got to keep this. I got to bear this. Right, I've seen it. I've seen it. I remember LeVon Ridgeway, Faith in, uh, and I, in our church in Indiana, the church plant there and all that, and our, he was our treasurer in 1979, gunned down and killed. Max was 39, 39 years old. And LeVon was, his wife, about the same age, or a little younger. And I'll never forget, it was such a horrible, horrible thing. Killed by the guy dating their daughter, because he said, you can't date my daughter anymore. 
boom, 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 357 unloaded it. And he lived for a day. That was amazing. And he died. And uh, I remember being in Levon's home, and Faithy and I were there, and uh, she sang, with tears in her eyes, I forgive him. I forgive David, David for what he did to us and how he robbed us of our life. I, for, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I wanted to strangle the guy. You know, you know that you know that ju- that pull for justice, and and forgiveness and justice. Forgiveness doesn't eliminate justice. You know, and sometimes we need to work through that a little bit. I mean, that's set in motion criminal law, and the DA steps in, and they're going to bring charges and all that. He's found guilty and, and not executed, but put in prison. We sat through all that with them. But she, in her heart, released him. And I saw it for weeks and months and years after that. She bore no bitterness, no loss, but her whole life was emptied. She lost uh, her high school boyfriend turned husband turned father there where they have three kids maybe three children upside down and forever changed i forgive and she can only do that because of christ any other reason why we hold on there 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 are a lot of them those are big ones yeah john distance and time and years yeah isn't it amazing though we remember though we remember those that hurt us and offended us don't we we remember that and, uh, and we need to release them. And one of the best things to do is when we bend, it's just in your prayer time, if they're, and if they're dead, let's say they're dead. That happens too, a father, a mother, a brother, maybe abuse, maybe sexual abuse, maybe, uh, maybe all sorts of things, right? You, you just, you pray. When you pray, you forgive them and pray for the grace of God to expunge that from your heart. And God will visit you with that. And bit by bit and day by day, it will lift, even if they're, if they're already gone, if they've already died, or if they're far away and you're not able to, or they're not willing to. You know, they're not willing to see. I don't want to see you. Or they're not willing to, to reconcile, and they're not willing to, you know, in your heart, we still have to release. Father, forgive them. It wasn't because they said, okay, Lord, please forgive us for nailing you to the cross. No, no. The Lord released them. Prayed for. In fact, we know it was answered because in Acts 2, many of them were saved. The ultimate mark of forgiveness, God saved them because Peter preaches to them, you killed the Lord of glory. He's talking to them eyeball to eyeball. And a number of them were part of that church. There are 5,000 that were saved. And, and the Father answered that. It's wonderful, really. Forgiven people forgive always. Well, two insights uh, directing us as a forgiven people to always practice, always, always Practice forgiveness with others. We're going to see in our text that forgiveness is not a matter of faith. It's not a matter of faith. It's a matter of obedience. Daily, this needs to be in our relationships at home, work, school, church, and more. Wow. Well, let's look at our text. Look at chapter 17, and let's just read verses 1 to 10 and see this very important section of the Word of God. And and Jesus said, verse 17, verse 1, and, and he, or Jesus said to his disciples, temptations uh, to sin are sure to come, but woe, circle the word woe, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. 
pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must, it's a command, it's imperative, you must forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Oh, my. And the Lord said, if you had faith, or since you have faith, even like a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, it was the tree that had deep roots, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Will any of you as a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at the table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, dress properly, and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? And here's the point of all this, verse 10. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, saying, we are unworthy servants, we have only done what was our duty. We have only done what was our duty. Well, uh, the first insight is that Jesus teaches us it's our duty to forgive. Verse 1a, don't be surprised at sin in our fallen world. Don't be surprised. You know, it's an unjust, cruel world. Look at the newspaper today. Just glance at that. And uh, we can say that a few more years. I, I just, Faith showed me this last week. I guess the Patriot News is gonna, only going to print three days a week coming up and coming. I was surprised by that. Pretty soon we won't be able to say, say look for it digitally, right? Well, look at that. It's a, it's, a, it's a whole unfolding of Romans 1, 2, and 3, isn't it? You know, I mean... <laughs> It's, uh, it's incredible. Who, who done what to whom and, and, and all that and who died? I mean, don't be surprised at it. Sometimes we, we, we try, we think we ought to have heaven, heaven standards of justice, a just world, and, and bad things ought never happen, and just stay indoors. But then even if you do that, the problem's still going to be in your own heart. Uh, that's, that's just the way it is. I mean, one man wrote, uh, even if uh, we are not tempted from the outside world, we are still tempted by the twisted desires of our own fallen heart. And Jesus is talking about something that causes people to fall, uh, to fall down spiritually, something to lead them sinfully astray. That's what he's talking about in this idea of temptations in this world. Well, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's alerting them and us through them that there are many traps or temptations that may capture them in sin. Temptations to sin are sure to come. Uh, actually, the, the, the very word offense or temptation or in the ESV, uh, he, he, he uses uh, the word temptation. It's the word uh, scandala, a uh, Greek word scandala. It comes right to us to, in English as scandal. Uh, it was a trap uh, that was baited with a stick on it, and, and there was a nice piece of meat. I used to, used to trap with Dave Syro, a friend of mine, when we were in junior high. We'd trap for rabbits and pheasants in the nearby field, and uh, sometimes uh, we did pretty good. Uh, we would put down a line of corn going into this trap that was set up on this little trigger device with a spring, and sometimes we'd find uh, pheasants with their heads laying next to them, as they were pecking down, and there it goes, and the thing came down on them, 
and there we go. Sometimes rabbit, but most of the time nothing. And, uh, and I don't know if we needed a license. Don't tell anybody when we did that back then. But uh, we used a trap, and that's the word, scandalon or trap. And we all recognize there, we live in a world that's fraught with temptation to sin. It's not bad enough, as said, there's problem deep within our own heart. Well, B, Jesus tells us that the temptation to sin should never come from us. He's really calling us, do not give offense to other people. He pronounces a woe upon those of us who lead others to sin. I'm not sure what, what ideas come to mind when you see the word woe, but all I can say is it cannot be good. When the Lord of glory says, woe, he's not riding a horse either. Woe, he's saying woe. And the idea there is uh, there's going to be pain or great displeasure to those who do so. Woe to those who lead others to sin. Such a one would be better off dead. Better off dead even through the violent death of drowning. I mean, sometimes you think of drowning, you know, we say like, would you rather, would you rather drown or burn up? Did you ever ask that question? Like, no, I'd rather, no, I'd rather, would you rather, you never asked that question? What would you rather do, Lenny? None of the above. <laughs> I think you said that, Lenny. <laughs> None of the above. Freeze or burn up. Sometimes you'll hear that, you know, like, oh, I'd rather freeze because you go to sleep first. The other one, I'm not sure what happens. <laughs> But uh, this is a bad situation, and the Lord's saying, look, if you lead others into sin and offend them that way by your life and your words and your ways, listen, Jesus said, you're better off dead in a violent drowning. I mean, a millstone is what they ground the uh, grain in. Some of you have seen that when we were over in Israel. I mean, that's a stone thing. They hew it down, and it, it grinds the grain. Uh, and, and Now, look, I like to swim, and I swim for working out easy on the joints and all that at the Y, but I got news for you. You tie a millstone around my neck, I'm not treading water. I'm down on the bottom. I mean, that thing is, you're down, and there's no letting up. You know, it's, that's it. Some think that's where Jimmy Hoffa is over in Lake Michigan or something. Down on the bottom, who knows? But uh, you're better off dead is what he's saying here, through a violent drowning. In other words... Um, uh, in the, it, it's, it would be better for him, that's the one perpetrating the temptation to sin, offending, better why? How's that better? Well, better if he doesn't do it. Better how? Better in the judgment for him. It's not on his record when the books are open. What is this? That you, better for him and certainly better for the ones not led into sin, certainly so. And so uh, he uses the word little ones. You know, these are little ones that are offended or taken. Uh, the little ones need special protection, don't they? Spiritual care, little ones. These are young ones in the faith. It could be from 15.1 where he's talking to tax collectors and sinners and, and those that were listening to him when he's talking about lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son and, and so on. It could Young in the faith could be one, easily influenced. By how long you've been saying, oh, I've been a Christian, oh, buku years, you know, and then they see your lifestyle, and it, and it just it might lead others. That's not good. And or children, right? 
It could be the next chapter where he's going to say in 1816, Suffer the little children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. You're better off dead. You're better off than doing uh, this offending and leading into sin in, in, uh, in the lives of, of others. Woe. Woe to us if we make it easier for others to sin or harder for them to be godly. That's what Jesus is saying. Leading God's people astray is a very great sin. Consider the moral, financial, sexual scandals that have corrupted the church and dishonored the name of Jesus. Uh, we'd be better off if they all died, every one of every man or every woman, before such a thing happened. Be far better off before their downfall. We need to pray for ourselves. We need to pray for those ahead of us. We need to pray for our spiritual leaders. I need your prayers. Let's pray for one another, the little ones. And he warns in 3a. He warns us, pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to yourself. Why? We're capable of the most heinous sin, the most terrible of sin. You know, I mean, the, the world looks at terrible, gross sin, and they go like, well, the neighbors, they'll interview the neighbors, and, oh, he seemed normal in every way. I got news for you. That's the problem. That's the problem with you and me. I mean, we are capable of doing the most awfulest of things. It is the grace and mercy of God in our life. We have a sin bent that is within us. And he warns us, pay attention to yourself. Remember, our lives influence one another. May it be for righteousness and not evil. May it be for good and not sin. Woe unto us. Now, what are some common ways? I, I put on your sheet just a few common ways that you and I may easily lead others into sin uh, and offending them. Well, through our actions, obviously. You know, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Your walk, your actions, your things that we do or don't do. You know, our little eyes are watching. You know, and children and grandchildren, they're watching. They're watching. They know what's important. You know, and if we say something different than our lifestyle, they work right through that hypocrisy and see that. You know, and so our, our, our actions, our attitudes, attitude is a big thing. You know, let this mind be in you, this mindset that was also in Christ Jesus. Do we have the attitude of gratitude? Do we have an attitude of thanksgiving? Do, or do we have kind of a chip on our shoulder? You know, nobody has it as bad as I do, or it's bad and going to get worse. And, and that can be careful in your attitude. How about having a complaining spirit causes others to be content, discontent? Just think of the 12 spies you know, that went into the land, and it was, yeah, it was just like you said. Man, it is plentiful. But the ten said, but there are giants in the land. I got news for you, there are always giants in the land. You know, and it, it robbed through their discontentment, robbed, and it wiped out a whole generation of people that were buried uh, in the Sinai Desert there uh, through a complaining spirit, this discontent. And it spread so easily, so quickly, probably because we're so timid at heart anyways. And so you've got to be really careful about that. How about speaking evil words that unfairly influence someone else's opinion? Something happens and you speak a, a character thing about this or that, and it draws lines. And those early impressions Whoa, they're hard to overcome because people are early swayed to that. Be careful about that. God hates, uh, in Proverbs 6, these six things that the Lord hates, but seven. And the seventh one is he 
who divides brothers, and that's through the, through the tongue and through the things that we say. Be careful about that. How about enticing someone to commit sexual sin? I mean, we live in an X-rated culture. Be careful about that, how we dress, our innuendos, the words that we use, uh, uh, the th- all of these things. Be careful on that. Walk circumspectly. Flee immorality. It's the only sin that we're told to run. Put your Nikes on and... <laughs> Can, can be not towards it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's our world. Away from it. Feet do your thing. Why? Others are watching. Invite others to join us for some juicy gossip. Hey, have you heard what I heard? Oh. And then it sucks them in. Sins of the tongue. We sin probably most by our tongue. By boasting of our accomplishments or acquisitions. And it causes to lead others to envy. Tempting people is a very great sin especially if the ones we tempt are less spiritually mature. Wow, you need to be careful. Just something you could come up with your own list. This certainly is not exhaustive, but uh, they're, they're ones that, that uh, easily are seen in my life and a- areas that you're like, I'm very aware, and so are you, and you could come up with a whole bunch more. Jesus envisions then, in verses 3 to 4, two situations uh, when we are confronted by sin. And he assumes a positive outcome. In verses 3b through 4, uh, 3 he says, pay attention to yourself. And here it is, if your brother sins, incidentally that's the first time word adophoi or brother, adophos, uh, brother occurs referring to a spiritual brother relationship in the book of the whole gospel here. I always like to note first time usages and so on, but that's the first time. When your brother sins, talking about another one in the faith, when he sins against you, you go. You must go to him, and Jesus says, rebuke him. There's a word. I thought we live and let live. Isn't that the high water mark of Americans? We're tolerant. We just live and let live. We just know, Jesus, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, uh, forgive him. Verse 3, we'll stop there at that point. The first uh, he envisions is uh, this setting. Now, the word rebuke seems harsh to us. But it really is not because uh, it, uh, it's an emotionally loaded word. But uh, it's, uh, it, it, the, uh, let me tell you what the Greek word It's epitomeo, tomeo, tome, timothy. Timothy, it's, it, it means to honor. It means to heap up honor. Now, we don't think of that at all when we hear the word rebuke. Rebuke sounds like I'm going to punch you in the nose for what you did in the English, right? But it's epitomeo. In other words, he's saying that when we confront when we go to one and say, you know, uh, when you said that, uh, that was really wrong. You know, what, what Jesus is saying, we're actually uh, placing honor upon them. They, they're an image bearer of God, and we value them, and we want the very best for them at the Bema seat. And so we, we, with respect and dignity, and we'll talk a little bit more on how we approach it, we honor them by doing that. Just letting people drive their cars off the cliff. There goes another one. There goes another one. Without saying, hey, stop. You know, that doesn't honor people. Uh, it's like when, uh, another metaphor, perhaps your neighbor's house is burning down, and that's really what happens when they sin. They sin against you in a way, and metaphorically, you, you, you go fire. You, go, you approach them. You step near. You step near. And this, that's the hard thing. Well, don't we just live in love? No. 
Not in the body relationship, can't have it. And in the relationship, in a, in a marriage and in a family, you know, you need, to, you need to courageously, we need to have a talk. We need to have a talk. I, it, it, used to, it used to reach down deep in my heart when my father, we need to talk tonight at the kitchen table. Uh-oh. That usually was going to be a way of heaping honor upon his son with my gross failures. <laughs> Or husbands and wife need to have that talking table, or you sit down with your children, or or uh, people that work for you, or people in the church family. It's called relationship and keeping it clean. Otherwise, we we're isolated and pocket, and we drift away, and it's we don't honor one another. And so we we are, we value them, we go to them, we tell of their offense, and when they repent. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, I said that. Oh, please forgive me. Jesus assumes in his story the most positive outcome, that the man or woman repents, and then he says, you must forgive them. And, and that's a, a word of release. We release them of a debt. Release. Release. You ever make a, uh, take a car out on payments I was thinking about that, Susan, with your dad buying a new car at 87, right? I wondered if he took out a five-year car loan. You know, <laughs> ten-year. Oh, he paid for it. Okay, and he's feeling pretty good and all that. Okay, good. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, you, you take out a, uh, a car loan and make those easy ones. There's never an easy one. But when you, come, when you come to the end of it, you're released of the debt. They stamp it and they mail it to you. And you're like, yeah, woo. You know, it's paid for. Or Dave Ramsey, right? When the house is paid for and the mortgage, he starts screaming and yelling when you're debt free there and you have a mortgage burning. And churches do that when they have a mortgage burning. So they debt free. That's the word there to be released of that. Release of that debt. The offended is to confront the offender. Perhaps they didn't even know they offended. You know that? That's what happens a lot. You know, uh, a husband will offend our wives. Uh, you know, let's just be honest, guys. I know you guys are spiritual giants, and, you know, we're Paul. But sometimes we offend our wives, and, and we're like clueless, utterly clueless. And our wives are like, he did it again. And we're, we're just happy kind of walking along, you know, and they're like, and then the, and our wives just need to love us enough, be courageous enough to come and, and be kind enough, and in their tone, tone's a big, you haven't noticed tone is a big thing? Tone's a big thing. Men, be careful how to talk to your, to, to your wives and other, but tone, and just say, you know, honey, uh, you, you know, do you realize what you did? I got, oh, I did, didn't I? I did, oh. Would you forgive me on that? Would you? And, and then, and then she's duty bound, right? She said, "Honey, you know the words of Jesus." Pastor said it's an imperative. You must forgive. Instead of having the unwritten list of unforgiveness, it's heartbreaking to see that. And I've seen that where a couple they're really struggling, and the unwritten list of of uh, of wrongs. And it's like John, you said, it's a long list over a long time, and it just robbed any joy out of that home and marriage. Really, you must, you must, you must forgive, Jesus said. You must. Wow. The offended is to confront the offender. It's like Roadrunner. You ever like that little cartoon Roadrunner? Beep, 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 beep. You know, a little Roadrunner turn around there. He runs right over a coyote. Over his feet, 
and boom, and there he is down the road, and, and his feet are smoking. He didn't even realize it. He just went along there, and that's why it's important for the offended to approach the offender and say, I don't know if you realize it, but what you did, what you said, you, you know, that, I, I, you sinned against me. You, you, you wronged me. You wronged me in that. And, and a couple of things happen at that point. Uh, and this is the good thing about it, okay? Because you, the offended, you may get some information that goes like, oh, that's what was going on? Oh, I took it so wrongly. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking bad. Oh, and then you get corrected. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Or that man or woman, boy or girl, they go like, I didn't realize. Oh, I feel so badly. You t- oh, please forget. And, and so that so it works beautifully that way. See, you go and you and then you restore that relationship, and you begin to build on that again. Wow. Well, how do we confront though? I think that's important because there's a there's a wrong way to confront that you'll just blow the thing up. You know, come at it with a sledgehammer, right? And then wonder why there are body pieces all over the road and there's no relationship. I think that I have on your sheet just a couple of, of things. We ought to do it courageously. It takes great courage to, to confront. It takes great courage to say, uh, you know, that hurt me, that offended me. Or on the other hand, just let me jump in. It takes courage to say, you know, I did wrong. It takes courage, courage to do that. Courage. Uh, gently, uh, Galatians 6.1 in the spirit of gentleness or meekness, we are to restore a brother if he's in fault gently, humbly, humbly with lowliness. Well, we come as a sinner, right? Hey, we come as not, not as some saint. We're not saints. I heard uh, Tony Evans uh, say that the other day. He said, you know, when our children, <laughs> when our children are born, you look at them and go like, oh, they're angels. Don't we all say that? We go, oh, they're angels. And he says, and in short order, their legs grow longer, their wings grow shorter, and you realize you have a demon. <laughs> uh, I have no idea where I was going with that, but it sure was. A <laughs> um, and so uh, we just need to gently, oh, humbly, we recognize that we too are sinners, and we approach another on that same level ground. Lovingly, we do that, and prayerfully, making sure the beam is out of our own eye. Uh, we uh, we confront, we bring the matter to the offender. Now, the second, uh, 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 the second uh, um, situation envisioned by Jesus is number two. It's the repeat offenders. Not only is it the one who offends you. But repeat, repeatedly offends you, like uh, like one who sins the very same sin after he's been or she's been released uh, uh, and forgiven every few hours. In fact, seven times in the day, the exact same sin, and repents. You, Jesus, you and I are to grant forgiveness and release them. We're to be generous in releasing people, just like Jesus is with us. Forgive even as you have been forgiven, Paul tells us in Ephesians. 
That's how we are to be with people. In fact, uh, if we can look at the Matthew 8 uh, section, which is not parallel, but Jesus' teaching on the same theme of forgiveness, 70 times 7, he's speaking uh, uh, hyperbolic language here, saying 490, which means always. You and I are always, always, always. Now, this, uh, this eliminates something, right? Uh, it eliminates what? Sometimes we go like, well... Uh, I'm, I'm not going to forgive you because I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure you're sincere. And, and, and wait about a month, and I'll see if you're really sincere. Because <laughs> if you do it again, I know you didn't really mean it. <laughs> Aren't you glad the Lord doesn't deal with us that way? Holy cow, we'd all be dead, you know? We'd all be dead. You know, like, no. So it eliminates that. Or it also eliminates this feeling like, well, you know, um, I still, I, 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 I want to release you, but I, I'm still gunked up in this feeling, and I can't, I don't feel like forgiving you. I don't, it takes, I, I'm not, I got to heal. We all love the therapeutic word. We got to heal, heal, like we're talking to dogs, heal, you know, like, no, it eliminates that. Because you don't have time for your heart to be healed seven times every few hours. Did it again, did it again, and then scheme, please forgive me. Yes, again, again. Your heart, it takes a while. It takes a while. It takes a while. And, and certainly, it takes time for the restoration of a relationship to come back to maybe where it once was or more. Or it may never come back to where it once was, but we've released people. We've released people. And when we've released, why? We've been totally and utterly released. We go back to the cross. All of our all of our sins are gone, 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 and so we're we don't nickel and dime people, you know. We've been forgiven, uh, you know. Back the truck up. Here's a truckload of sin. That's your sin and mine, and we walk around with pocket change with other people. We've been forgiven all that, but we go like, well, I'm not really sure, you know. And we we play that. No way. Forgiven people forgive always. That's what Jesus is saying here. And he goes on to close uh, with providing clarification with a second insight, verse 5 to 10. And quickly, we'll just wrap this up here. But he clarifies our need to forgive by saying faith, that's not my beautiful wife, but faith has nothing to do with this. I love this so much because the disciples hear the Lord saying seven times a day, and they're like, and they're like, they're, they're interrupting him now. They're in it. They're like, they got, they got their hand up. It's like fourth grade. And we always do that, like, <laughs> call on me, teacher, right? Now they just shout out and raise their hand, right? And they're like, they, they interrupt the Lord, and they're like, increase our faith. Now, that's, you know, that sounds like a spiritual thing, right? <laughs> faith is a gift that the Lord gives, and certainly we trust God. And it's not great faith in God. It's faith in a great God. Get that right. But it sounds spiritual, right? A lot of things people say sound spiritual, but they're wrong. And the Lord goes on to say, in essence, it's not a matter of faith. It's a matter of duty and obedience. Do it. It's like Nike. Just do it. Just do it. And uh, look at verse 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord said, uh, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, that's the smallest garden variety of seed, you could say to this mulberry tree that had the deepest rooted tree uh, uh, of that day, be uprooted and planted in the sea, it would obey you. 
Will any of you, and he gives us uh, the story of a servant who's plowing and doing all this outdoor work, and now it's later in the evening, he comes in, he's tired, he's dirty. Will he say, hey, you've worked hard, sit down at my table. Uh, he won't say that. He goes, you know, your job, his job, is, his duty is to get dinner ready and all that and serve that. And even when he's done all that, he's only done his, his duty. He's only done what was commanded, verse 9. And then the application, verse 10, so you also, here's the point, disciples and to us 20 centuries later, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, even at that, we are unworthy servants for we've only done what was our duty. So he clarifies, when the disciples hear the Lord's teaching on forgiveness, they claim they need more faith. Now, faith or trust in the Lord is a great thing, but it's not what they really need. Jesus tells them, if you had, and the idea in this, it's a conditional clause. It means, since you already have. You know, if can be used in a number of ways to indicate negation or maybe a conditionality or assume true for the sake of argument. There are different classes of condition. He said, and the idea, it would seem to me, is you already have this faith. You could say to that, and it would happen. Faith is not the issue here, verses 5 through 6. And so he clarifies with the story in 7 and 9. The servant did only his duty, his obligation, nothing more. The same is also true for us. It is our duty to generously forgive always. It's a matter of obedience, and faith has nothing to do with it. Even at our best, we are still unworthy servants. We are unprofitable to him. Wow. Uh, Dr. Reichen, I put a long quote at the bottom of, the, of your page there where he writes about this. When it comes to our service, God never gets a positive return on his investment. He is our creator and redeemer, and therefore he already has a right to all our allegiance. And even if we gave him perfect service, we would only be giving him what he demands and deserves. It would profit God nothing. But in fact, we often fail to serve him well, so he actually gets a negative return on his investment. Whatever good we may do is only our duty and done by the grace of God. Jesus wants you and he wants me to have a heart of forgiveness, releasing people. It's our business to release, to forgive. And the way we learn to forgive is going back to the cross, back to the cross, back to see Jesus. Well, lessons for our life, I think you have them on your sheet there, you do. But uh, let's look at number one. Forgiven people forgive always. We practice by God's grace and His strength and through the Spirit of God, forgiveness. Perhaps your unwillingness to forgive, and I probe this way, forgive those who have hurt you, and we've all been hurt, and we've all hurt others. And perhaps your unwillingness to do so reveals that you're really not saved. You've not tasted of the sweet waters of being forgiven of all of your sins. And so I would urge you to call upon the name that is above all names and be saved even today, and he will receive you as your Savior. Number two, I wonder who has hurt you and offended you. And take your piece of paper, and I pray that God puts into your mind and brings to your recollection different ones that, that you need to approach even as I did that years ago and have done through the years, make a list, and in a week's time, be able to make a phone call, write a letter, go see them, 
and face-to-face is by far the best. You and I must practice Jesus' words and go and tell them of their offense. Quite possibly, they didn't even know they hurt you. You honor them by doing that. As an image-bearer of God, don't delay. Make a list. Work through it. Cross off each name after you talk to him or her. It's life-changing. And I say that whether you were offended or you did the offending, go and make those things right. And God will bless you for it. He always blesses his word. He'll bless you. He'll bless you. People, it's disarming to people because of that pride factor that you mentioned. You go like, you know, I, I think I offended you. And they go like, what do, what, do, what do you mean? Well, you know, remember last Tuesday. You know, if you've prayed about it and the love of Christ comes through and your tone is not vindictive or hateful and, and it's, uh, it's sincere, that people will hear it. It's such a different voice and words. I just want to, I, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, and the Lord has forgiven me of all my sin. And I, I wronged you. I want to ask you to forgive me. And use, a, use those words. Please forgive me. Release me. And uh, it, will, it will do a lot of things. It will it'll strengthen your heart to do right the next time. We need that, right? Don't we? I need it. <laughs> Boy, that was brutal, wiping that list off. I'm going to, Lord, help me. Oh, uh, I mean, we'll still fall in it and the doo-doo again. <laughs> we will. But maybe the list will be a lot shorter and we'll keep it current. And, and, and you know what? I've learned, too, that anything that humbles us is probably good for us. Anything that kicks us in the pants uh, is probably so very good for us, isn't it? I've learned, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, really, and this, this, this is life-changing. Number three, forgive immediately and repeatedly, even if you're wrong. Don't carry it. Forgive like Jesus forgave you. We're duty-bound to do that instantly, totally, and forever. And number four, keep short accounts. Stay current. Husbands and wives, children, family, church families. If you don't, you're going to experience distance, bitterness, it's, it's a, like spiritual death. There's that. Remember, one decision leads to another. Have you ever noticed that about life? One decision leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And we want to do what God tells us here, very definitely what to do. And number five, last, when you wrong another, humbly ask their forgiveness. Be sincere, straightforward. Don't make excuses. Just say it as short as you can. I sinned is what I did. Please forgive me. Forget about I had a headache. I ate pizza the night before. I stubbed my toe. You know, I had a car accident. And I had a re- no, just say, you know, I'm amazed that God loves me and saved me. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I, I wronged you. It, you know, when it's brief like that, you know, with what we're used to on politicians and all of that. What was that he just said? Was that a forgiveness or what was that? We're like little kids, you know, with big bodies. Well, that's the Lord's message, and I call it 490. Forgiven people, forgive always. That's what we do. Let's stand be dismissed. Why don't we do that, John? Let's, let's stand, and are we going to sing, or you want to sing? All right, well, let's sing. Let's stand, and uh, we'll close in prayer, and then we'll sing, but we'll pray for our food. 
Uh, Susan, any, any, uh, Susan's not here? Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the cleansing and washing that is ours in Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that we'll practice this, that you'll put names and, uh, on our hearts. Maybe they're from a long time ago. And that you'll help us, Lord, to do what you command us here. And that we'll live in the joy of the aftermath of, of obedience. And so I pray for May we be a forgiving, loving, tender-hearted church. And, and daily, weekly practicing this in our lives will contribute so much to that to the presence of the Lord and the joy and the peace and the unity and harmony, Lord, we pray. Thank you so much. Thank you for the food and the fellowship after. Thank you for each one that's here. Change us, Lord, as a result of being here this morning. In Christ's name. Okay.